with my spirit and the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established." That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you, Lord, and I pray your blessing upon the message tonight. Lord, please control what I say and how I say it. I pray for your mercy and your grace. May your word be a help. May it strengthen us and draw us closer to you. Lord, please help us to leave here different than when we came in. Uh, Lord, help us to uh, feed from your word tonight. Lord, if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I pray for that conviction, for that drawing, and that perhaps even this evening they would repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. May you be glorified, I pray, and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, we've just got into the book of Romans. It is, I, I am very excited about diving into this book. There's, there's been few books of the 66 books in the Bible that have been known to actually change lives and change parts of the world even. And the book of Romans is one of those books that has been foundational. It is, it is such a tremendous book, one that can get you so grounded in your faith as well as get you moving in your Christian life. Last week when we, we were diving into the first several verses, we talked how really Paul in those verses gave an overview of the entire book. Um, how he talked about the gospel of God, a term used by the Apostle Paul 60 times in his writings. And we dealt with that, how I think we used, we used the word gospel this way too cavalier. So trying to stress last week the importance of the gospel. We saw in Paul, who was the, he was the presenter of the gospel to the, the prediction of the gospel, how we saw it in every single Old Testament book where Christ is, how it's all about him. And then, of course, the person of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, how Paul had stressed both his human side, that he was 100% man, and his deity, that he was also God. Now, Paul is continuing on with his introduction right here. And, uh, and we're, we get to see really the heart of Paul here. We see how he approached ministry. We see his true desire for God in these few verses that we read. There's so much in these verses that can help us, especially in this world that we're living in right now. Um, so I, I want to, we're going to, we're going to go through these verses. I'm going to take it from a certain approach though. You know, I, I, when I was in New Guinea at times, when I had to work on, uh, my vehicle, um, it was always challenging. And one of, one of the most frustrating things when I'd work on the vehicle is when I did not have a certain tool that I would need. Um, there was a certain tool you can get that would help me. Re I had to get to the bearings because the roads weren't sealed. You're always just going through wheel bearings all the time. And there's this neat little tool you can get, at least for the Toyota Land Cruiser, that would help you um, get into that. And I did not have that tool, so it made it much more difficult. You know what it's like when you're trying to do something, you don't have the proper tool to get the job done. Or when you've done it, or more often than not, you ever been there where you've done a job over and over and over, and, it's, and then you find out there's like a specially designed tool that would have made your life so much easier had you had that knowledge. Well, what we're going through in these few verses right here is Paul, when he's describing his approach to ministry and this church at Rome and his desire for them, he really gives, we're going to take from this, from his life, certain key tools that help us as we serve God. And, and you'll see what I mean as, as we come through this. So we're going to look at this uh, on tonight. We're going to see a passion for God that he had, the right purpose in his service, how he placated or he was submissive to God's will, how he sought to produce growth in others. 
And then I couldn't get a P for the last one. I tried. I did every thesaurus known to mankind. Somebody's going to hit me right after this with a P for this, but his humility. He had a servant's heart, just a humble approach. So let's dive into this tonight. Verse number 8. We're going to see in verse 8 this passion that he had, a heart for God. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, here we see that Paul here is thankful uh, how well that these Christians, they were known for their faith. And, and I seriously considered, he had my original notes, all getting ready to focus on thankfulness and gratitude. That certainly is important. That would be, a, 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 it'd be one of the DeWalt tools in our bag. There's no doubt about it for a power tool we would need in our service. But I don't think that was the main approach that Paul was driving at, so I certainly didn't want to do that. Um, and even though I think that's a must. Those who don't have gratitude, those who don't have a thankful attitude, certainly will always have a wrong motive for their service. Every single time, without fail. Um, and thankfulness is an indicator of, the, uh, of, of, of passion for God, whether it's present or not. And we certainly need to have gratitude, and you're not right with God unless you don't have it. But that's not the angle that I want to focus on this. The main point here what Paul is getting at is what I want you to see, of course, is what he was thankful for and what that demonstrates about the Apostle Paul. The passion that he actually had for God. And you'll understand that in, in just a second. Their faith of the, of the Christians who were at Rome were known throughout the world. It wasn't the size of the building or how many people attended or how much money they had or, or, you know, none of those things. They were known for their faith. Now, listen to me. And Paul is thankful for that. I mean, he realizes what they're accomplishing with their faith before God. And Paul says, listen, I'm thankful to God for this. Listen, what you are thankful for shows where your heart actually is. Right now, the things in your life that you're genuinely, truly thankful for, it also is a reflection of where your heart is. This is a reflection where, where, where Paul's hearted in relation to these people. He was thankful. Man, they, they, they're walking with God. They're making a difference. People are recognizing this is a church that through their faith, God is actually getting glory throughout the world. That's what pleased Paul. As we're going to see throughout all these, Paul's life was truly all about God. That comes out throughout the book of Romans. <clears throat> what, he, what he is grateful for in this text is God is being glorified as a result of the faith of the, of the Christians that were in Rome. God was being glorified, and that's where Paul's heart was. He truly had a heart for God, and he wanted others. He certainly wanted to see that in others. He wanted to see God glorified. And for us, as we serve God, listen, it always starts in our heart. That's what God wants. So the question is, what has your heart? I mean, I would like to see, obviously, our church have an effect on the world. The Christians at Rome, this is an interesting piece of history with this. As you, we know that the Jews were expelled from Rome. But what's interesting is this. Um, there's a, a Roman historian named uh, Suetonius, and he, he, was, he wrote about when the Jews were expelled from Rome. And he said this. He had said that they were thrown out. There was trouble brewing under the influence of one named Christos. So many believe that actually what he was referencing was Jesus Christ. That what was causing the, the, the disruption in Rome was actually the Christians. So it's interesting if that's the case or not. We're not sure, but there are multitudes who believe that reference was actually to Jesus Christ. The followers of him. 
Some churches in our movement, they're famous for their pastor. They're famous for, you know, the, again, the size of the building, the size of their numbers. Um, but the, the key thing is, is the fact is, are we known for glorifying God for our faith? Even this week, there was a story. Um, Jerry sent it to me. I don't know. Oh, he's ushering tonight. It was, there's a sto- news story out. It's actually a fairly lengthy news article about the Duggars. You remember that family? They're on TV for several years with all the kids. And there's been whatever a downfall here recently. I, I really don't know. Uh, but Jerry had sent me the story uh, of a, a nationwide publication story. We're ref- our church was referenced in it three times. And Jerry said, I'm like, what? How, why would we be referenced at all to the Duggars? And what they were using our church for in their news article was what independent Baptists believe. They were pulling from us, here's what they believe. Um, I'm good with that. Go right ahead. So, when we see what Paul's thankful for, we get a glimpse into his heart. He's thankful to God because their faith is known. That's what he's thankful for. And then, when this ties in, we see a right purpose in his service. Look at verse number 9. There's a, there's a really incredible phrase here that I think is central to all the verses. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. It's here we see a right purpose in our service and how that's going to affect our prayer life. Paul said, I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. With my spirit. Boy, is this something we need. The word means here when you're breaking this down, it's not referring to external service merely. It's internal. It's real. It's sincere. He was devoted. It's genuine. It wasn't external. His service was about God from a genuine, true place. People serve God for many reasons. Some serve God out of obligation or duty. I have to. My parents are taking me to church. I've got to be here. I've got to serve this. I've got to do this. There's no heart for it. There's no passion for it. Some serve God today because they believe it leads to salvation. They actually think, I'm going I'm to gain an entrance into heaven. There are people that serve God simply because they found that's a way for prestige or to make a name. A, a way to get recognition. A way to make a reputation. They want to be highly esteemed. And so they're going to use that avenue to do it. That's what they know. There are some who serve the Lord to appear to be religious, to appear to be godly. There are some who serve the Lord because of peer pressure. Every single one of those is obvious vain and empty reasons in serving God. If you're going to serve God, you need that right tool. And a pure, unfeigned heart serving with your spirit is key. Paul, think of Paul's background. Prior to his salvation, he had seen the shallow, hypocritical religion of the Pharisees. He knew the pagan wickedness and their search for pleasure. He witnessed it all. His spirituality, however, never came from duty. It didn't come from fear. It didn't come from pressure. It didn't come from a desire for a position. But as we see with Paul, his desire to serve was actually genuine and sincere. It's from his spirit. The man who had been raised in Judaism. Who understood the Pharisees. He knew the Sadducees, the scribes, the priests, the elders. 
He knew all the externalism. He grew up around it. He was trained in it. He knew what it was like to serve God from a, a dead, powerless position where it's pure external. That gets old so quick. Listen, this is why multitudes burn out in their service for God. Because so much of what they do, and they don't even realize it. They're not even necessarily conscious of it. It's not that the, some people do it on purpose at all. But it becomes so external, not with their spirit. And you can get burned out so quick. And Paul will see it throughout. You see it throughout all his epistles. Just like he said here, when I'm serving, it's with my spirit, the inner man, my heart. That is so key in our life. Paul's saying, I'm not serving with anything external. It is pure. It's from my spirit. And listen, by the way, this thing right here, the reason why you serve, your motive, will always get attacked. It will. This is something you've got to check a lot in your life. It is. You have a flesh just like I do. It's there. It's present. And so while you're serving, while you're going in the faith, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. If he could get in, get an avenue in to affect the very... If he can't get you to stop serving, you better believe he's going to attack to get the reason why you're serving. He wants your motive. So you have to guard against it constantly. You've got to examine this one to see what your motive is for your service. It's something we all must keep in check. And it's, Paul's going to go, when we get to Romans chapter 1, uh, wow, that's a brand new number right there that I just gave out. I don't know if you caught that. It's a brand new number. When we get to Romans chapter 12, we see that when it comes to Paul, this was really a genuine commitment to him before God. And it should be. I mean, everything. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Paul just didn't teach and preach that. The guy lived it. And you think what he went through. You think what his daily life in the carnal flesh was like. The guy who would be in, uh, I'll get to that in a little bit, he's going to be in up in a Roman prison. Yet, writing an epistle with a sub-theme of joy from that Roman prison. Incredible. That's because he served God with his spirit. It wasn't external. Listen, in, in our church as an independent fundamental Baptist, we do have to guard against that. Because we tend to reward the external. I'm not necessarily saying that's always wrong. Many times it was. Don't I've been there. I've been there in the movements where it is wrong, 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 where we have used pride as a means to motivate people to serve God. It has to be from the Spirit. That's what it's all about. It's about God. It's not about the service you're doing. It's about the Creator you're serving. <clears throat> so, that right motive, this is fascinating to me. I, I never thought about this till studying it this week. It led to right prayers. All right? Obviously, in the verse that I just read, covering really in the next couple of verses, it's dealing with Paul praying for them. So, when Paul prayed for somebody, to Paul, this prayer wasn't forced. It wasn't done out of obligation. It wasn't a prayer request he received. It wasn't. He was, not that this is wrong. Don't, don't take this the wrong way, but I, I, need to make, I want to make a point with this. He wasn't praying because he heard, you know, Josephus sitting in Rome broke his ankle. Lord, heal his ankle up wasn't what he was praying. 
It wasn't. Paul, listen, he was a man that was truly all about God. He had the right tools in place to accomplish this. All right? God had his heart, the passion. All right? He had the right motive. This is coming from my spirit. This isn't external. This is because I have a heart for God. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. I can do this. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I'm not going to read all of them. I think I'll just read Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Look how Paul prayed for people. Verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now get this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. That motive, because his life was about glorifying God, look how it affected how he prayed. I mean, as he got on his knees, as he bowed his knee to pray, and he's thinking of those, the, the and we see this, by the way, in, oh, I can turn over there right now, Philippians. And this I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ and to the glory and praise of God. We can do the same thing in Colossians. I mean, when he prayed for people, you can see his passion for God, how it's coming out. Because what he was desiring, and it's throughout our text right now, had to deal with the inner man, not physical. It had to deal with their walk. That's why he starts off, and I thank God that I am hearing that your faith is making a difference in the world. And it ought to be, because they're in Rome. They are. They're in Rome. Rome was the capital of the world. Something else I like about his prayer, too, which shows his heart. Notice, in, in, in taking our verses as a whole that we read, even though Paul is praying, he's also praying he's part of the solution. He knows, they have, he knows within, he's never been to Rome. He's ready to go. So even though he's praying, he's also willing to be part of the solution. Maybe you're praying for your neighbors. Pray for them. You should. But be part of the solution. Talk to them. Maybe you're praying, Lord, I, I need strength. I need help with this. Good. Pray about it. You ought to. But put some boots to it. Be part of the solution. You know, Paul here is just like Isaiah would say, Lord, here am I. Send me. We need people who will pray and pray with their heart as Paul did with the, right, with the right motive, praying the right thing, dealing with such true spiritual uh, 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 matters in the life of individuals. 
That they would know God and know His love. Be strengthened in the inner man. And at the same time, being willing themselves to be part of the solution to be a help. So we see Paul praying with this willing heart. I'm not just praying for you, he's telling them, but I'm praying God will send me to you. Thirdly, we see this. I have five things here this evening. Thirdly, we see not only his passion, his purpose, but now how he placates to the will of God, how he is submissive to the will of God. This is, boy, this one's important. He said this, verse number 10, making request, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. As we're going to see, Paul desired to get there. He'll go over later on what hindered him from going to Rome. He, he desired to get there, but God providentially did not allow it yet. He desires to go. And God, in his sovereignty, would get Paul to Rome. It would be in change, though, after a shipwreck. Remember, I covered this in the very first overview. Paul is writing this from Corinth. This is right before he leaves Corinth. You know where he's going after Corinth, remember? He's going back to Jerusalem. When he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested. And then he's going to be being brought to, brought to Rome in chains and put in prison. And by the way, when you, get, when you, when you see that, by the way, because Paul served God with the Spirit, God had his passion, that's why when you get to the book of Philippians, that's when he's going to write the epistle to the Philippians. The guy's doing great. God, this isn't how I wanted to get here. Did he not say, Lord, according to your will? He prayed this, if it's God's will, so be it. Lord, I, I want to go, but your will be done. If God didn't want him to go, he was good with it, so be it. If it's not God's will, so be it. We have to trust God. We have to make it more about God's will than not our will. And there are times, by the way, and you're praying, just like Paul was praying for this, and it's clear, by the way, he, he desired to get to Rome. We know that. You know how long it took him? All together, start to finish, 25 years. Took a while. Sometimes you've got to wait on God. But why Paul was waiting, but when he's serving everywhere he went? Because it wasn't about a particular place. What was his source of genuine joy, he never allowed things like this to get him off target. Boy, we can't. We can get focused on the mission instead of the God of the mission. We make it about God. He was willing to be completely submitted to God's will. Too often we want to force our will on God's will. But listen, the truth is this. Whether you're a teenager or um, you're with Bob and you were here when right off the ark. This is true. God's will is best for your life. It is. Nothing, nothing, nothing you will ever do will compare to God's will for your life. It might not seem best in the moment, but it's best for eternity. It might not seem best in a location, but it's best for eternity. 
It might not seem best with the difficulty you're facing, but it's best for eternity. Trust God. Desire His will. Paul said, listen, I do desire to go there, but God's will be done. That's what I'm submitted to. I'm not forcing this thing. It's kind of like what we learned in James chapter 4 when we went through it. We ought to say, if the Lord will. The one who knows tomorrow, we trust Him. Fourthly, in verse 11, we see something produced. His desire for spiritual growth in others. So this is going to be taking our mind. The tool here is this one here. All right, we see we, we got his passion for his heart. We got his purpose that is in place. He submitted to God's will. All right, we have those things in place. These are key. God having your heart, the right motive. You, you see that what I'm trying to lay out here? The right motive for your service, which is, again, that will control prayer life. Willing, whatever God's will is, Lord, I'm good with that. What my true desire is, God, before you is simply your will. Whatever that is. And then you see the guy is still all about others. For I, verse 11, For I long to see you, that I, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Here, this tool he has. Oh, thinking of others. A concern for others. Do you know, the problems that we face in life, in our own life, and I'm sure all of us are facing lots of problems, they would seem so much smaller if we wouldn't focus on them so much and focus on the problems others are facing. It's true. Paul here desires to see them established. Let's remember, Paul... You, you can almost see Paul's excitement in this. Remember, Paul was a man with an abundance of revelation from God. Because of that, I mean, you can see it like in text here and other places in his epistles. He could not wait to tell others. He wants to get there. He has this abundance of revelation. He, it's, it's like it was burning in him. I've got to preach this. I've got to teach this. They need to know this. He knew what it could do for them spiritually. Says he desired to impart a spiritual gift. The, the word is the word we see commonly used in that sense, charisma. And it's used in different ways, even in the book of Romans and throughout the epistles. Uh, primarily three different ways. Uh, even in the book of Romans, it's even used to describe Christ himself. Uh, it's used in general blessings from God in that sense. It's used in, in regards to the spiritual gifts that are actually given out by God's Spirit to the members. But Paul, Paul's meaning here is pretty clear because of the context of wanting them established in, in, in between 11 and 12 with what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I desire to preach and teach to give you something spiritually to help you. Like what he prayed in Ephesians 3. Like what he prayed in Philippians chapter 1. Like what he prays in Colossians chapter 1. He wants to genuinely, truly help them spiritually with their walk. He wasn't going there to sign Bibles. He wasn't going there to, to get attention or applause because the guy was all about God. He really wanted to see their growth. <clears throat> he wants to see them spiritually grow. He wanted to teach. He wanted to preach. He wanted to strengthen. He wanted them established. That was his goal. He wanted them to hear the truth of God, learning more about Him, getting them more grounded in their faith. 
We also see by this, he knew ministry was about giving and not receiving. And he wanted to give what would truly help. His life was all about God, so when he gave, it was going to be about God. He didn't want to come make them laugh. He didn't want to come and entertain them. He wanted to impart spiritual truth that would help them get established. He wanted to strengthen them spiritually. He wasn't coming to give them something uh, physically. He wanted to strengthen them spiritually. Many times we desire the other. We want the physical, not so much the spiritual. And so many times, because of that, there, there can be... Uh, there can be a lack of notice, lack of appreciation for the spiritual that is provided. I came, and I came across a, 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 an actual true story I was reading about this from a Sunday school teacher who was in college. And, and I thought, well, this fits perfectly with this, with this point in the message. So I, I want to read what, what, what happened there. She was, anyhow, she taught for the setting of it. She was a college student that was also a Sunday school teacher teaching fourth grade I cannot talk tonight. Fourth grade. Elmer, I watched way too much Elmer Fudd when I was a little boy. That is my problem right now. <laughs> wow. A fourth, she was a Sunday school teacher of fourth grade girls and a college student at USC. And she said, I always told myself that I love the little girls in my Sunday school class. And she believed it. I had all these little frilly dresses and bright smiles and pretty eyes, and I told myself I loved them. I loved them so much that I'm not going to miss my class. And she didn't. But she said, one day, I was at our college football game, USC on Saturday. She said, I, I always went. She said, while I was there, she got under conviction. The Lord spoke to my heart about the fact that I always go to the football games every week during this season, and I never even prepare my lesson until Sunday morning. <clears throat> she said she realized how shallow that was. God pointed out in my heart, well, I didn't really love them at all. I mean, no doubt she enjoyed seeing them and having that time, being in the position, and maybe not even for pride. But in that moment of conviction, she realized, wait, I don't really love them at all. Her words now, because I made no sacrifice to give them something with eternal significance. Because she would stand before them and teach. She took it way too lightly. And she said how, if you know anything about USC students, how they love their football. So she determined, I will not go to another football game. To her, it was the ultimate sacrifice. She said, because I'm going to spend that time so I can give my students something of eternal value. Now, get this. Her students, she'll know, and the Lord will know. And that's what's most important. And her students will recognize, no doubt, in the teaching. Don't get me wrong. They will that. But they won't know the sacrifice she's actually making in her life, personal life, from a standpoint. You understand what I'm saying? They won't even recognize it. See, many times that's where we fail at this because 
we do the things too often that the sacrifice is recognized. Instead of those things that are much behind the scenes that people will never see how much sacrifice is involved. And then, on top of that, you want to know something that can really get you? Is then, when the people don't see that level of sacrifice that's involved, and then sometimes they'll tell you, I I don't think you sacrifice anything. And they're missing the eternal spiritual application that can ground you in your faith before God because it's about Him. She had the right perspective. She had the right idea. I believe true love leads to something spiritual. Paul desired to see them established. Now, lastly, in verse number 12, we'll finish with this. We see his humility, a servant's heart. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So Paul here, when he's coming to verse 12, the angle I want to cover this, he lets them know, he goes, listen, I'm not just simply coming to teach and preach. He lets them know, I know you can help me. The Christians at Rome. This is one of the greatest theologians who ever lived. And he's, he's, he's not just being kind. I don't believe he's being kind at all. He genuinely believes, I'm going to learn from you as well. I'm going to be comforted by your faith just like you are from mine. This is going to be an exchange that takes place. I'm, just, I'm not just coming in. I want to learn from you. He's showing humility. I want to quote from one commentator on this. Note to what degree of modesty his pious heart submitted itself so that he did not disdain to seek strength from inexperienced beginners. He means what he says. For there is no one so void of gifts in the church of Christ who is unable to contribute something to our benefit. That's so true. What came to mind, I I sat back in my chair. I wish he was, he's he's not here. I wish he was here. One of our newer converts in here, and that is uh, Jared, who's here. And I don't know, it was a month or two ago, he had sent me a letter to look over for me. He had to submit a letter for something. He asked me, hey, would you look over this letter for me? And he had emailed it to me so I could could go over it. And he has no idea how much he encouraged me in that letter. Just to see the growth that was in it. And this new, new believer... I'm reading this letter, and little does he know, he's strengthening me as I read it. I can even be encouraged by Bob. It's probably possible. But the greatest theologian who ever lived, the Apostle Paul, here he is ready to humbly learn from the believers at Rome. It reminds us us of a powerful verse in the Bible. That God resists the proud and gives grace unto the humble. Very true. This evening we had some powerful tools that we could use as we serve God. We saw Paul's heart and what he was thankful for. It really was. Because, again, what you're thankful for demonstrates where your heart is. We saw his purpose. All right? And why he served. That motive. 
He said, I am serving with my spirit. We saw how he was willing to submit to God's will. Listen, I want to come there, but the truth is, whatever God wants, that's what I want more. If God doesn't send me, God's will be done. So be it. He knows best. So he had a submissive spirit. He had a a, a motive that's going to help him in service. His heart for God. And then he, he, he definitely stayed focused. He knew ministry was about others. And trying to help others. And he did it without pride. He stayed humble. With heads bowed and eyes closed.